With both the prayer support and the financial help of our First Baptist Church family, a team consisting of the two of us and Margaret, as well as two other volunteers, were able to spend the month of July in China working with Volunteers for China, an openly Christian group which chooses to send volunteers to do a requested task. In this case, it was providing instruction in conversational English to English teachers who were teaching Chinese children as requested by the Fujian Education Bureau. While modeling the love of Christ and working within the laws and customs of China, there is no way that we can adequately share with you in six to eight minutes the excitement we feel about God's work in China. But if you have a Sunday school group, if you have an RA or a GA group or a Women on Missions, any sort of group interested in missions from our church or from other churches, we would be glad, any of the three of us would be thrilled to share <clears throat> in depth with you. A question often asked, is um, how is teaching English a mission? Why don't you go and give out gospel tracts or plant churches or preach in the park? Well, the answer is you just don't do that in China. You don't do that because of both custom and law, but you can be a teacher. That's a highly respected profession. You can be an elder. They're, they too are highly respected. Um, and also, as foreigners, we are somewhat of curiosity. People like to have their pictures made with us and like to ask us many, many questions. So God has provided both the opportunity and the tools for witnessing. We must be discerning in recognizing and taking advantage of them. While our assignment was teaching oral English, our mission, of course, was to model Christ and to share our faith. Uh, and it was a challenge, in a sense, because we were in China. Some businessmen from Kentucky who went in and gave out Bibles and tracts in January were unceremoniously escorted out of town the next day. But uh, we worked in establishing a horizontal relationship to build friendship with the students in our classes. And uh, this was uh, a challenge in a way because the school officials planned something for us to do every time we were teaching. They had extended meals for us. They had activities for us in the evenings. And they had excursions for us on the weekend. So we simply had to say, no, uh, we want to be with the students. And they did not resist us when we stood up to them. But uh, whether they intentionally did that or not, it was a problem for us in our sharing. But uh, we did have four hours of instruction in the morning, uh, English laboratory in the afternoon, and English corners in the evening. And I can tell you our days were very trying and long, but it was a great rewarding experience being with the students. Uh, in sharing, we made a special point of letting the teachers, uh, the leaders, and the students know that we're Christians. Uh, every time we had an opportunity, we told them about you know, how we were blessed to be Christians. And as teachers, we also wore a church like this that has 1 Corinthians uh, 1.13 in Chinese characters on it. 
And it's, of course, about love. They asked us why we came, and we told them because of God's love, and our wanting to share that. And so the, the stuff we wore gave us opportunity to answer questions right away. Now, Ian uh, and I taught lessons on American history, uh, U.S. holidays, uh, Christmas and Easter and others. And each time we taught, we were able to you know, share Bible verses and, and tell what Christian significance each holiday was for us in this country. And Margaret also taught about daily life, child-rearing, marriage, and aging. And the, the lessons and the extracurricular activities with students was just a wonderful way to get to know them and get to get close to them. Volunteers for China arranged to publish from, uh, to purchase from the established church, which is the only legal source of Bibles in China, 100 of these Chinese English Bibles for students participating in this program during the summer. I requested, because I was the team leader, I requested permission to give these to the students at the ending ceremony, and I got no response from uh, the officials. One teaching assistant, however, whom we knew to be a Christian, said, give them out in class. It's no problem. But we, we felt like we needed to think about that a little bit. So on the last day of instruction, uh, we were teaching about stories in Western culture, and the last one was the prodigal son. The overhead that we used, of course, listed the sources of all of these stories, and the source of this one was, of course, the Bible. Wanting the students to, um, I, I told them that our sponsor had made arrangements for us to have enough of these Bibles, Chinese-English Bibles, that each of them could have one. Wanting them to actively seek the Bibles and not just passively receive them from us, I put them on a table in the back. And when I told these students, whose average age was 35, that there was a table back there that had a Bible for them. They were just like preschoolers on Christmas morning. They climbed all over themselves getting that Bible. Ninety-nine of these were gone at the end of the, at the, end of the day. So most of the students took the Bible to each teacher and uh, to get signatures, and that was another witnessing opportunity for us to write a little note for them. Seeing their excitement in getting this gift made the trip very worthwhile. We had opportunity to share, and we would love to have much more opportunity to share with the students. And we came away from the experience wondering were our efforts worthwhile? Did we plant seeds? Uh, will a teaching effort make a difference in the kingdom of God? Uh, we probably won't know this side of eternity. And we hope that our efforts had impact, and we hope and pray that. But one student, Lily, gave us some encouragement in this regard. Lily was from a rural area near the town where we taught, and she was a little bit reserved, different from the other students. At first, she did not participate in class activities, and she seemed to resist me when I tried to share faith. But by the third week, Lily began to open up and became very interested in everything that was going on. And uh, the, the last day after she got her scripture, she was just really thrilled and excited. 
She said, will it be okay if I bring my daughter to the closing ceremony tomorrow so that uh, she can meet you and we can have pictures with each other? And we said, of course. And uh, when Lily came to the closing ceremony, of course, there were pictures taken. And Lily gave me a porcelain plate. And I said, thank you. And then Lily proceeded to tell me that that porcelain plate was uh, a family plate that had been in her husband's family for seven generations, over 200 years uh, from the Qing dynasty time. And I said, I cannot take this from you. She says, you must take it. And I was just awestruck. I didn't know what to say. I, I couldn't believe that any of our feeble efforts would move that woman to do something like that. I don't have anything that old in my possession, maybe an arrowhead or two. And, and it would never occur to me to give something like that to somebody. But they were so loving and caring and giving back to us that it just deeply touched us. And we came away from this thinking, maybe there is some way that we touch them in the effort. I just want to close with a few things. If you notice, there was a picture of me and I was doing this. Well, the reason is, is um, God gave me the idea, like I said, they just wanted to take pictures all the time. And in Chinese, they all, everybody just does this when they do pictures. And I thought, and I asked somebody, what's the meaning of this? And they said, just yay, <laughs> something. But I said, well, you know, so I started doing this. And if you noticed, all the, the students started doing this. And it was an opportunity that I had to, to tell them that the reason I'm doing this is I love you because my God loved me. And he wants me to share that love with others. So that's why I came to China. So it just became a way that very frequently, instead of, you know, instead of just smiling, and I just didn't have any reason to do that, <laughs> I started doing that in, the, in all my pictures. Um, and also, as Anna said, you know, the doors God opened, and the doors God had already opened when we went there. Some of you may not realize, but we went with Volunteers for China who just worked this out. Well, we went to the city where Dana has been going for 20 years, Bill? 19 years. So we were there with Dana, which was very comforting to me because this was a little bit uh, scary going. So we were there meeting and contacting the people who she had been uh, funneling her life into for us to be an added um, opportunity for God to minister to them. But um, so it was just a God prepared that place for us to meet with those people. Uh, we also had the opportunity to go to the Christian church in China. Um, we went the first Sunday, and again, just daily, we saw opportunities God was giving us to open doors and to witness to these people. As we were, we were very protected the first few days we were there. Well, we couldn't go anywhere without our assistance. Well, when we told them we were going to church on Sunday, our assistants went with us to church. They had never set foot in a Christian church, but they sat through that hour and a half service with us. They could understand. We could not, so they were hearing that message that we did not hear. So God even used that stumbling block that we were seeing as an opportunity for us to share with them. Um, what we saw was a growing church in China, um, a much younger church than from what people's experience has been in the past, a more open church, even with the students. Um, there was an openness to hear about our faith and to hear about our lives and how God had touched them. We, like Anna said, we made a conscious opportunity, um, uh, used conscious effort to share Bible verses that uh, guided our lives. 
And as our prayer was that we would be salt and light and we would model love to these people. And now we just covet your prayers that the seeds we have we touched this summer, and as you saw, it was a large number. We were with these uh, 110, approximately 33 to 35-year-olds, literally six hours a day for, for uh, three weeks. So that seeds were planted. Now we just covet that God can use those seeds, and they will grow, and they will respond with the word that we gave them, with the doors that we opened for them. They are more... They're, they know now more where the Christian church is and a little bit more about it in China because of our um, relationship with them, that God would uh, uh, nurture and grow those seeds. So we do cover those prayers, and we thank you for the prayer support. We believe that all the problems that were initial problems that were covered, the opportunities that were given, were a result of God's intervention in your prayers. So thank you. Hey, you come to church on Sunday night, you're going to be amazed, aren't you? Um, we definitely want to pray as, as Margaret just asked us to pray. We also want to remember Donnie Hasty, who had surgery this week, who uh, was dismissed two days ago. We want to remember Jim Sinclair, who had surgery this week up at uh, Emory, and, and uh, he got out of the hospital today. I uh, want to remember Emory McMillan that was in the hospital on yesterday and uh, Kay Connor who cooks in our uh, kitchen I want to pray for her Roy Taylor and uh, Yvette Kimmel let's uh, go to the Lord in, in prayer Father it's just thrilling to uh, see the faces of men and women from literally across the, the world. And Father, just to think that we had a small part in, in going with uh, John and Ina and, and Margaret on this trip. Father, we pray. We just lift up those uh, men and women who've heard the gospel or uh, a verse of scripture or got to, to see uh, your love fleshed out through John, through Ina, through Margaret. Father, we just pray that the heart would open in that young lady or young man and that they would give their hearts to you and trust you as Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that, that uh, you would call many from our church uh, to go again and to to consistently just reflect that love and to be a clear gospel witness. Father, we pray especially tonight for, for Donnie and for Jim and for Mr. Emery and Miss Kay and Roy and Yvetta. We lift all these up who've recently been in the hospital. And Father, as they're convalescing at home, we pray for a speedy recovery and, and quick return to our fellowship. Lord, we just thank you tonight for the privilege of being with you in this time of worship. We just invite you to move 
in and amongst us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Our offertory hymn is number 537, I Will Sing the Wondrous Story. I'm going to ask you to turn to 537 and stand as we sing. We'll sing the first, second, third, and fifth stanza. Please stand as we sing. Father, we come to you in an attitude of adoration and worship. We thank you, Father, for the wondrous old, old story of your love for us. A love that flows like a river and gives us peace and joy. We thank you, Father, for the powerful spirit that flows through us in your love, enabling our China team as instruments in your service to share that love with people who live in darkness. Give them the light of truth that they may have fellowship and a personal relationship with you. And we ask now, Father, as you move among us, 
that you use our prayers as the vehicle and the instrument through which you pour out your love upon those lives that have been touched in China, that your power would move them, Father, to become children of light. We ask now, Father, that you move in our hearts, give us generous hearts to share with those in need, Father, the things that you have blessed us with. We ask, Father, that you take what we have, multiply it, and feed the multitudes. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that
Thank you, John. Let me encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and, and open to um, where we're going to begin tonight with the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. And then we'll move through several passages of, of Scripture. The most important question uh, for your consideration tonight is this. What will it take to stop you? What will it take to, to stop you from walking in close fellowship with Jesus Christ? What will it take to stop you from experiencing life in the body of Christ, in, in the body called First Baptist? What will it take to stop you from, from sharing with others how they can have eternal life? For many, it takes surprisingly little, um, especially with people who are like me or kind of like ADD or whatever that word is. You can get distracted by the TV pretty easily uh, and, and, you know, just while away hours. Sometimes um, we let another person uh, prevent us from experiencing uh, fellowship with God in the body of Christ. Uh, we're offended by our brother or sister, and we just, we just allow that to, to keep us. Sometimes we let the opinions of others um, keep us from telling the good news about Jesus and, and as John just beautifully sang about a mansion that God has prepared for us in eternity. But if we're going to be um, men and women who make an impact on this community for Jesus Christ, uh, we need to be more like Peter tonight. And that's what we're going to look at some passages of scriptures because Peter made a lot of mistakes uh, but he never threw in the towel. The first passage I want us to look at is found in Matthew uh, chapter 14. Um, we're going to look at verses 25 and following. Uh, Jesus uh, comes uh, walking on the water to the disciples there in the middle of the lake. And, uh, and it says in verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him, walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus comes walking on the water. Lord, if it's you, Peter says, tell me to come to you. So the Lord says, come. Peter gets out of the boat, walks towards Jesus. And then fear Fills his heart, understandably. Here's the waves and the wind. And rather than faith, he begins to uh, sink. He cries out to the Lord, and the Lord grabs Peter. Now, I can just imagine how you and I would respond if that incident had happened to us. I know I, what I'd probably say. I'd say, you know, Lord, um, that does it. I've had it. Um, I saw you coming, Lord. I, I tried my best to exercise faith by, by getting out of the boat, and I nearly drowned trying to trust you. And not only did I nearly drown, but, you know, I kind of made a complete idiot of myself in front of all the disciples here. Um, 
you know, Jesus, it was fun for a while following you, watching you do miracles, you know, to, to other people and, and that kind of thing. But, um, uh, you know, I'm gone. Guys, y'all can stick around if you want to. Well, my question to you tonight is, will a faith failure, will the embarrassment that it causes you stop you from following Jesus? I mean, at sometimes in the, in the past, you sincerely, as best you knew how, you took a step of faith for the Lord. And perhaps your faith was young, maybe a bit immature. It failed. And it wasn't just, uh, just you who knew it. Others saw it. Will you let that stop you? Didn't stop Peter. He continued in his relationship with the Lord. He continued as a disciple. Look with me now at Matthew chapter 16. Let's flip over there. In Matthew 16, we see that follows, in verse 21, follows right on the heels of Peter's confession of the Lord, where he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But if you look at verses 21 and following, it says, after Peter had made that wonderful proclamation, he says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain something to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, at the hands of the elders and chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And look at verse 22. So Peter took, it says him, which is referring to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned, and did he say, thank you for looking out for me, Peter? No, what does he say? He, he turned, he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. It's amazing. Peter just confessed Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and now he begins to to lecture Jesus on, on what he should do. He takes the Lord aside and begins to rebuke Jesus. Can you imagine anybody in this room tonight having the nerve to say to the Son of God, listen, buddy, you've got it all wrong? And of course, what Jesus did was rebuke Peter. Get behind me. You know, if anyone ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time, it was Peter. I mean, it's one thing to have your mom and dad tear up your rear end. Any of y'all ever? Well, no, I'm sure none of y'all ever had that happen. That's one thing to happen. But to have Jesus, the Son of God, blast you and to say your mind is not on God's things but on man's, I mean, Jesus, I mean, Peter blew it royally, and he was actually chewed out by Jesus. I think that'd be a good reason to give up.
But did he? Did he give up? Did he bail out? No. He continued to persevere. I don't know if any of you, have any of y'all ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time? Sure you have. Sure you have. Have you ever been consumed or concerned about man's interest rather than the things of God? Sure you have. You ever been called on the carpet by someone? Sure we have. Are you going to let that stop you? Are you going to let that stop you from following Jesus Christ? I hope everybody's got the Bibles. Let's turn over to Luke 22 now. Look over at Luke 22. Luke 22. And look at verse 54. This is the passage approaching the Lord's uh, trial. And it says, seizing him, referring to Jesus, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he, referring to Peter, he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the rooster crowed, and the Lord looked. At the critical moment, Peter denied the Lord. At the critical moment, he was afraid to admit he knew Jesus Christ to a servant girl. He was afraid to admit that he knew Jesus to two other men. And we know his response. I didn't take the time to read it, but he went off and wept bitterly after he realized. He folded. He folded in the clutch situation. And you would think that would have been enough to wipe him out. You would think that Peter would have become a spiritual casualty, useless to Jesus Christ. But Peter didn't give up. I mean, it's kind of a downer, this sermon is, after this incredible missions presentation. But to think about it, in reality, everybody that's gathered here tonight who's worshiping the Lord Jesus, there's specific times in our lives when every one of us have denied Jesus Christ. That's kind of sobering. We may have denied Him verbally. We may have denied Him by our silence. We may have... uh, Been convicted of the shallowness of our commitment to Jesus Christ and wept over it. There may be people that we had the opportunity 
to witness to, to share about him. Those people now are no longer living. As much regret as we have, we can't do anything about that now. Will we let our denials of Jesus Christ in the past stop us now? Peter didn't. Peter didn't. you would, look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2. In Galatians 2, we read about Peter. He has a missionary heart. He's, he's joined Paul and Barnabas down in uh, Antioch. But we want to read um, an account from the Apostle Paul about when Peter came to Antioch. In verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, Now when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you're a Jew. Yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow the Jewish customs? I mean, Peter was even rebuked in front of the whole church in Antioch by the Apostle Paul. He had participated in the hypocrisy. But did that stop him? Did that stop him? No, no. You know, maybe along the way, God has used another brother or sister in Christ to point out an inconsistency in your life. You ever had that happen? I can remember years ago, I was on like this summer youth staff thing. And we had taken a day to go to LaGrange. I was actually working in Lafayette, was that Lafayette, Alabama or Lafayette, Georgia? I can't remember what side of the, but it's right up there. It's right near the border, near Lynette, Alabama. Anyway, it was out at a camp, and we had taken the day just to go have fun. So we went to LaGrange College, which wasn't too far from where we were. And so we were in the gym shooting basketball and having a good time. And while I was in there, there happened to be a junior high kid that had wandered in from the community. And so being the spiritual giant that I am, I quit playing basketball to take the time to witness to this young man, you know. And, and, uh, and so he, he prayed to receive Christ, and, and it was just real exciting. And I'll never forget, as we were getting on the bus with like 24 of the other summer staff people, I shared with them about what had happened. 
And I'll never forget one of my fellow counselors, precious young lady. As I shared that, she came up to me. She said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. She said, I really detect a spirit of pride and arrogance about what you're sharing. <laughs> I mean, I was the only one who had witnessed while we were playing ball. Shouldn't I get some pats on the back? Dude, man, she just could have taken that thing and split me right between it. Have you ever had that happen? I mean, don't you think Peter was like, man, I'm here serving the Lord in Antioch. I'm fellowshipping with the Christians. And then Paul just nails him right in the head. Don't you think Peter might have said, don't you know who I am? I'm Peter. Upon this rock, I build my church. Don't you know who I am? But you know what? Peter didn't quit. Peter didn't quit. He kept on going with Christ. He didn't allow the rebuke of the Apostle Paul to say, hey, I'm punching out of this. What, what will stop you, I wonder? What will stop you? A faith failure? Something embarrassing? Some, saying something wrong or stupid yourself? A crisis in your personal life or your family? What will it take to stop you from walking with Jesus Christ, being his disciple, being a part of his body, serving him. I hope none of these things will cause you to give up. I hope when we're in those, well, I don't know where John slipped off to. Oh, good. There he is. But, um, I hope when we do get to heaven and we're at our mansions, we'll hear the stories of just being faithful to God throughout the, throughout the failures. It was opening day of 1954 baseball season. How many of y'all remember that? <laughs> Wayne Hannah? No, you're too young. You don't remember 1954. Okay, but it was the opening day of 1954 baseball season and the Milwaukee Braves were visiting the Cincinnati Reds, and there were two rookies that began their major league career that day. The Reds won the game 9-8. to eight. And the first rookie, was, his name was Jim Greengrass. Now that's a name for a baseball player, isn't it? Jim Greengrass. He hit four doubles in his first big league game. Man, he was playing well. That's a sensational debut, I would say. But... The other rookie started in left field for the Braves, went 0 for 5. Not a very great start for who? Henry Aaron. That's right. Wasn't a very good start. Um, he just hung it up after that, didn't he? That one game, he went 0 for 5? No. No. He persevered. And all he had to do was just work on what? Baseball. That's all. No. There were a lot of issues going on, I'm sure. For Henry Aaron. He didn't quit. And as individuals, there's no doubt, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall. At times, even as a church, we'll stumble, we'll fall. But we'll always, hopefully, by the grace of God, like Peter, we'll either be up or getting up. By the grace of God, we'll never give up. Hopefully, we will commit ourselves, just like Peter, to love and follow Jesus Christ. And I can't think of a, of a more, I, you know, 
I hope that all week you'll just kind of live with the sermon you heard this morning. Why will we never give up? Because of what Brother Wayne preached on this morning. I mean, he's created us. And he what? He loves us. He's not giving up on us. He's drawing us to himself. Well, tonight, if God's been speaking to your heart through this week, maybe it's uh, through the circumstances of your life, or maybe through your devotional experiences, maybe through Sunday school, maybe through the worship and the teaching of the Word, maybe just through your own prayers, God has been speaking to your heart. And you sense He's telling you, tonight, I want you to give your heart to me. I want you to commit your life to Jesus. I want to invite you to do that. If you I have already given your heart to Christ in recent days, but you've never made that public, we want to give you that opportunity here in just a moment to make it public and say, hey, I did trust Jesus. He's my Lord. I want to follow Him. I want to be a disciple. I'm willing to be baptized. I want to grow in Christ. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing hymn number 547. I stand amazed in the presence. And if God is, is speaking to your heart, well, this will be your opportunity. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we have been moved today. Father, we've been moved by incredible music. We've been moved by opening your word. Father, we've been moved today, probably even if we lay down for a nap and just allow these things to soak deeply into our souls. Father, we've sensed you speaking to our hearts. So, Father, in these closing moments of this service, if you're saying to us to, to respond to all that you've done and all that you are tonight, may we feel that freedom. May we sense your invitation and your loving arms reached out towards us. So, Father, you speak now. You guide any and every response that we might make in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.